All right, so we've been kind of anchored in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Uh, we'll read through it again a little bit more at certain points this morning. Um, and so as we've been talking about what it means to be the church, we looked last Sunday at how the church was devoted to doctrine, devoted to doctrine. And I won't re-preach that message. Um, we kind of jokingly acknowledged up front, we hear the word doctrine, it sounds like something boring, and maybe we even equate it to something legalistic. But the truth is, doctrine is all about um, learning everything that Jesus wanted us to know, to be taught, but it's also living it. And so there's learning or receiving doctrine and there's living doctrine. And what was powerful about Jesus is he taught things, but he walked it out. And that, that captured people. And so then the early church and now on down through the generations, like we've, we've been captured. We've fallen in love with Jesus, who he is, what he's about. And he's inviting us to know him and walk with him and be his apprentices in life. And so doctrine is about learning that information and seeing the life he lived and learning to walk it out ourselves. And so I said last Sunday that, that doctrine and fellowship were meant to go hand in hand. And so let's read this verse one more time. Acts chapter 2, 42. And they, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship were united around the life and teaching of Jesus. We're united around that and we're meant to figure it out together. He goes on to say, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers, right? That's some of the stuff we're doing when we gather. We're breaking bread, we're remembering him in communion. Um, we're praying for one another and so, and on and on and on. Like the list of things we do when we gather is, is full and rich and good. And so what I wanna talk to you about this morning, we talk about fellowship is practicing doctrine. Our gathering, the body of Christ, is the place where we figure this out together. We put it into practice. It comes alive. Church is messy because we're all people just kind of trying to figure out this clunky thing called life. And the beauty of the body of Christ is that by his grace, man, we've been rescued, we've been forgiven, we receive mercy, what makes church life difficult is we're those broken, messy people that needed like the radical help of Jesus. And so now us, this messy, broken group of people, we come together and he tells us, be a family, love on each other, grow together. How many of you know that's gonna be a little bit difficult? I mean, okay, my hand's up. I'm convinced, like, I know that's difficult. I'm a difficult person. If you're hanging out here and engaged in this body, you have to deal with me. That's hard enough. And I got news for you. You're difficult too. And so, like, I just think it's important, you know, and y'all probably heard me joke about this before, but as much as I believe in the gathering of the body of Christ, I believe we're called to community. We're called to relationship. And I know the church talks about it a lot. And we celebrate it. And we look at these passages and we ooh and awe over it, right? Like, I mean, Acts 2, 42 to 47, it's just beautiful. These people love each other and they serve each other and they give and they take care of each other and they're watching miracles happen. And it's like, cool, but then like I've gone to church and it don't look like that so much. And I think we just have to be honest that living in real community and relationship with each other is difficult. It's not impossible, it's difficult. And so we should just be aware of that. So I wanna do, do this in two ways. I wanna look at two key things together this morning. Okay, first of all, 
the very definition of church is fellowship. I just want to give you some defining characteristics of what church is. It is fellowship. And then secondly, we'll spend a little bit of time on looking at how and why do we practice doctrine together? How do we do that? Why do we do that? All right, so first of all, the very definition of church is fellowship. When I begin to walk through these, I know that there's gonna be a tendency to be like, oh yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. I want you to consider the implications of this for you and I. Like consider the practical implications of this in your life personally. So number one, it probably seems fairly obvious. It's the title of the sermon this morning, but number one, the church is a fellowship. We just read it, Acts 2.42. That word fellowship, the Greek word behind that is koinonia. Um, it, it holds a lot in that word. It means association. It means community. In fact, it's even tied closely to communion. And uh, so I think it is interesting, even in that passage, it says like fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. Like we gather around the body of Christ. Um, and so it means communion. It's joint participation. It, it even holds within it the idea of, of intimacy, intercourse. Like it is, it is an interconnected fellowship. Fellowship is not just, you know, I hang out every once in a blue moon, have a bite to eat, small talk, chit chat. Like so much of church fellowship just sort of falls into like just that little kind of chit chat stuff. Now listen, there's time for just fun, casual hangout. Like I do that with my friends. But but fellowship, church fellowship goes beyond that. It's, it's intimacy. It's joint participation. And so can I be intimate with people I don't even know? Can I have joint participation in the lives of other people that I'm not spending time with? Right, think about the implications of this. So church is fellowship. The church is a family. Man, this is... If you want something to do for like weeks, do, do just a quick little survey of the New Testament. Use any kind of Bible software you want where it'll do the search for you and just plug in words like brother, brotherly, children, you know, just any, any of the terminology around family. Plug that in and watch how much there is. Inheritance, like that's tied to being a child of God. There's all these words that have to do with our family connection. An example of that, Romans 12, 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So not only are we a fellowship, we're, we're a family. I love the living Bible translation of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says, you should be like one happy, one big happy family full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. In other words, we operate with each other on the basis of relationship. Now listen, if you're like me, you've experienced elements of like family life, like I'm talking about in, in your flesh and blood families, of family life that's, that's clunky, that's difficult. There, there's broken relationships, there's hard relationships. But the bottom line is one of the key kind of aspects of family is like, like it or not, we're sort of stuck with each other. We're stuck with each other. We're gonna spend eternity together in heaven. We're a part of something. 
And so the scripture tells us what does it look like if we're a part of this family. We operate with one another on the basis of relationship. So that means words like affection. Affection. That's, it's not just I have love in my heart for you. Affection is like I'm expressing it. There's an exchange of love. I've got a dog who loves me at home. Like he loves me. I get up in the morning. I get up on Sundays like before the sun's up. And I just do this little walk from the bedroom over to the coffee pot. And my dog, Charlie, he sleeps on this leather chair in the living room. Like he makes it his own. And he's, he's a lab mix and he requires a blanket on that leather chair. Just, okay, this is the kind of animal we're dealing with here. Like he will stare at the leather chair with no blanket and wait for you to put one there. And when I go by in the morning to make the walk to the coffee, as soon as my bedroom door opens, I just hear, and it's his tail wagging. He doesn't get up because he's lazy, but his tail is wagging and hitting the chair and he's hoping I'll come over and love on him. He wants to exchange affection. I've probably learned more about affection from my dog than like anybody. Um, But listen, affection, we express it, we communicate. I love you, I care about you. Think about it like this. When a brother or sister in Christ walks in the room, does your face light up to see them? Does their face light up to see you? Have, Have you ever gone somewhere, maybe you've attended like a dinner or some gathering, and it was one of those gatherings where you weren't totally sure if you were gonna know anybody there? Have you ever walked into one of those settings? Isn't that the worst feeling in the world? I'm like, I will do everything I can to avoid having to go to something like that. But if you walk into a setting like that and you come in the room and you see somebody you know and you make eye contact, it's just like, yes, there's Rachel, boom. And like you immediately beeline and find each other, right? It's just the best thing, affection, love. Talks about honoring each other, having sympathy, Friends, these are not things that we can do from a distance. I don't sympathize with people I don't know. I don't have affection for people I'm not in relationship with. So the implications, it's like I can go check, fellowship, get it. Check, family of God, I get it. But like, what are the implications of leaning in, intimate relationship, affection, sympathy, and tender hearts for one another? Goes on, the church is a body. We're a body. Romans 12, again, but verses four and five now. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now looking over at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So like, you know, maybe I can escape fellowship. Maybe I can detach from family, but now I'm, I'm told I'm a part of a body. Well, now if I detach from that, that hurts. I've, I'm literally, I'm a part of something. And we are essential. Like here's the beauty of what God did. He made us to where we require one another. We need each other. He, he tells us right here, every part of the body is different. That's on purpose. See, if we just think about this in terms of like, you know, some sort of organizational thing. 
okay, well, we're going to have a church, and so we need officers at the church to fulfill these different roles. And, and like the body of Christ is just like our organizational chart. We're missing it all together. Like that's not the point. This isn't like the pastor breaks out his list and goes, all right, Greg's here. I've got the right hand today. We're good. No, no, no. We're not an organization. We're a living organism. We're connected with one another. We need one another. When a part of the body is hurt or injured, I feel it. There's, there's things that can't and won't happen. They won't function well. Like I'm, I'm needed. Like I need to contribute to the body. And, and also I need the body. Like I get life from being to connected to the body. We're, we're tied in together. We're not a business. Church is not a business. You might think, well, that doesn't need to be said. Oh, really? I mean, are, are you seeing the same thing I'm seeing when I look around? Church is not a business. Yet we spend an awful lot of time trying to learn from and draw from business practices. I mean, I'm not gonna get into all this this morning, but like I could go off on a whole tangent about how the church for decades has just tried to apply American business practices to church. And you know what happens in the process? Real people get run over because we're treating the church like a business instead of like a body of people who need each other. See, I don't need Bart to show up and do stuff. I need Bart to be healthy, whole, doing it. And he needs me to be healthy and whole. And we need to take care of each other. And when I'm hurting or struggling in need, it's not like, well, next. Replace him in with the new. No. When I'm sick, I take care of myself. I mean, sometimes I don't because I'm a dummy and push through, but like I should, right? I rest, I eat chicken soup and that cures everything. And so we are a body, we're connected. We're not an organization, we're not a business. We're not a club or a team. See, like we could, we could look at the business side of it and go like, yeah, look at these church leaders who turn it into a business. Well, what about a church attenders who just treat it like a club or a team? I'll show up and clap and cheer when I feel like it. And when I don't, no big deal. It's not a club. It's not a team. It's not a business. It's not a social gathering. It's not a political party. I've talked about that enough the last year or more. We're an organism, not an organization. We're a body that's meant to be connected, that cares for one another, that loves for one another. How can I be connected with the body if I've never even met my left hand? We're fellowship, we're a family, we're a body. In fact, the very word church means assembly. Church. It means, it means called out, the called out ones, and it means the assembly. It's the gathering of the called out ones. We are not a part of the world. We're in it, we're not of it. Church is the assembling of the body. In fact, we're told not to forsake the assembly of the body as is the habit of some. Maybe things were a little bit different back then. I, I feel like we could easily substitute as is the habit of many. We're not to forsake the assembling. I mean, just, just in the passage alone, I was gonna read this verse, but we've read it so many times, I'll just point out some key words. Just in the passage we're kind of spending time in in this series, Acts 2, 42 through 47, here's some words within that passage that describe this. 
fellowship, together, common, as in having all things in common, one accord, and even the word church, the one I just used, assembly, was used five times in just these five verses. What is described is the togetherness and connectedness of the body of Christ. And then there's all these descriptive words about, about these gatherings. The descriptive words are continually, daily, devoted. Like there is regular, consistent time being spent with the gathered body, the gathered family, the gathered fellowship, the saints assembling together. This, this was important to Jesus. It, it was essential to the early church and it is essential to us today. I get the terminology where we like, we describe certain locations or fellowships or whatever as, you know, that church or their church or whatever. It's been interesting for me to note how, how easy it is um, to, to refer to a church as something other than me, something outside of myself or that belongs to someone else, you know, their church, that place. You know, Pastor Jake's church. This, this ain't my church. I'm a part of it. This is not my church. Whose church is this? Whose church better it be? <laughs> it's his. It belongs to him and we're a part of it. Now listen, I realize there may be times and seasons to be, to be in different communities, connected and in different places. I get all that. But, but, what is necessary is that we're connected into a body, that we're connected in. We need the body of Christ. It's essential. So there's some definition for you. So how do we walk this out? All right, the rest of this morning, we're gonna be anchored in Ephesians chapter four. Now, I, I realize there are so many different passages in the New Testament that we could grab and kind of sink our teeth into and chew on related to the body of Christ gathering and being connected. And some of it we will continue to hit on as we go through this series. But what I, what I love about what we see right here in Ephesians chapter four, we're gonna be in verses 11 through 16, um, if you wanna follow along in a minute here. But um, I feel like it does a really good job of, of connecting what, what we're talking about over the last two weeks, connecting doctrine, what we're learning this, this, this life of Jesus that's supposed to grow us and change us, it's connecting that with fellowship, doctrine and fellowship together, which is what the church was devoted to. So here we go. Ephesians chapter four, beginning in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So I want to pause right here. Who does the work of the ministry? Anybody want to shout it out? If you're nervous too, I get it. The saints. Is that how we consider the work of the ministry when we think about church life and ministry life? No. In fact, we will even say the five-fold ministry in reference to the roles that are a part of ministry, but we act like that is ministry. Like the pastor went into ministry full time. 
the, the saints do the work of the ministry. We have been given the word of God, we've been given the Holy Spirit, and we've been given leaders in our lives and the word and the spirit and then leaders in our lives help prepare us and equip us and train us and coach us and encourage us. But the work of the ministry is done by the whole body, the saints. That's the work of the ministry. So who does the work of the ministry? The saints. What is the work? If the saints do the work, what is the work? For, is, this, is it still on the screen? Building up the body of Christ. What is the work? Building up the body of Christ. That body, that family, that fellowship. The saints all together participate in building that up. It's not about one person, two or three people. It's not about that. And guys, we've gotten this so backwards. Like, and it's, it's not just the people who lead it. Like, we get what we want. Y'all realize that? We get what we want. And so we've built entire churches, church networks, communities around one or two people, around somebody's personality, around somebody being a good communicator, around somebody being really good at, at music and singing and leading worship. Like we, we build whole communities around two or three people. I was never intended to be that. I'm grateful for talented people, great communicators of the word and folks who can lead worship and people who speak boldly and prophetic. Like I'm all for that. That is a part of the body. But the church was not meant to be built upon a couple personalities, a couple of people. And so it's, it's all of us participating in the work of the ministry, building up the body. And so then listen, a really practical question to consider is, how am I contributing to the building up of the body of Christ? Now, listen, this isn't meant to push you into something more than you should be doing. You know, there's, there's the doers in the room who will answer a question like that and you immediately feel guilty and realize I should be doing way more. And, and even if you're already like serving and doing a bunch, you're immediately like, oh, there's other ways I can lean in and do more. I'm not asking you to do anything more than what the Lord would lead you into. God, what is my part to play within your body? You've made me a member of it. If I'm a knuckle, well, that's pretty helpful because a hand can't pick up a whole lot if those knuckles don't flex. Like, Lord, what, what part do I play? Where do you have me? And that can change and shift and grow in different seasons, but it's why we're connected with him and one another to kind of figure this out. And so how am I contributing to building up a Jesus body? I don't need to do all of the work. In fact, I shouldn't. That'd be really unhealthy. But I also should be participating. There should be some place, some role where I, where I fit and minister within the body. And so how am I building up the body of Christ? What does that look like in my life? What community has the Lord placed me in? And then what role am I playing in building up that body? Some of it might be I'm growing. Like I'm building up the body by like, I'm, I'm getting equipped. I'm letting myself learn and receive doctrine, all that stuff we talked about last week, right? That's why this goes together. Some of how I can build up the body is by growing in Christ, learning more about who he is and who he is in me. And then I put it into practice. I put it into use. I practice doctrine. 
And see, we shouldn't, we shouldn't feel this pressure of like, well, I don't know if I'm gifted or I don't know if I'm good at that or whatever. Like church should be the place where, where it can, we can not do it very well. <laughs> how am I gonna learn how to pray if I don't pray some really bad prayers first? Which I don't even really think there is any such thing, but you get me, right? Like, where else can I learn? Where did I learn how to pray? I hung out with other people who prayed. I heard them pray. I was around it. Just a side little tangent. I find it interesting that we never see the disciples say, teach us how to teach, teach us how to do miracles. The one thing they did is they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. We, sh we shouldn't be worried about being bad at stuff. This is where we practice. This is where we grow. The work of the ministry, the building up of the body of Christ, it's, it's all of the saints doing that, okay? Now, I want you to consider another thing. For some of you, here's what you need to hear this morning. You may very well be a saint who is participating and who is serving the body, and I just wanna, I wanna challenge you to consider the possibility that maybe the Lord has also called you to be an apostle, a prophet, a shepherd, a teacher. Like, like may, maybe, maybe the very building up he wants to do in and through you is that he's, he's calling you into a place that maybe you've never recognized or acknowledged or, or seen yourself doing or being a part of. But like as we love and serve and care for one another, the whole, the whole model of Jesus' approach is servant leadership. And as we're serving and caring for the body, then there will be times where we step in and we leave and we might be the very ones helping to influence somebody else's life. Because see, look, watch what this produces. Here's how we get there, all right? The work that is produced by the building up of the body is described in verse 13. So we the saints do the work until, y'all see that word until? Is it up on the screen yet? Verse 13. We the saints do the work until. Well, until what? until we all attain the unity of the faith. Not the unity of agreeing on every tiny little issue ever and the unity of the faith, we're united in Jesus. So we do the work until we attain unity of the faith and until the body of Christ has knowledge of the Son of God. Remember, when you hear knowledge in the scripture, it's not just head information, it's experiential knowledge. It ties into that word intimacy. Unity of the faith knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood or womanhood. Maturity. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Oh, well, we're there. <laughs> Check. <laughs> we've attained all unity together in faith. We've, we've attained all of this maturity and knowledge of the Son of God and the fullness of Christ. No, there's always room to grow, Right? And so this is the work that we're called to. And here's what I think is interesting. Uh, we could easily miss it. If I read that as a list I need to grow in, then I've, I've segregated myself off from the body again. I've made, made myself this little individual. Okay, my job is to try to be united with people. My job is to grow in my knowledge of God. My job is to mature into manhood or womanhood. Okay, I need to do that. No, 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 look what it says. Until... We all, until we all 
attain it. See, as we're engaging in the body of Christ together, we're participating in becoming united. We're participated in learning and growing in Christ. We're moving towards maturity. Like, I don't shame a child that's a child. It's wonderful to be a child. Celebrate children. Enjoy them. Encourage them. But, man, it, it would not be very cool to see a 16-year-old in diapers. Like, that's not good. Like, we don't stay there. And so I'm growing and maturing, and I'm helping others along as they grow and mature. And so we're learning, we're growing, we're maturing together. That idea of maturity, it means, it means becoming a spiritual mother or father. So when I talk about, you know, consider what your part might be, like as we're learning, as we're growing, as we're maturing, part of our contribution to the body of Christ is I'm helping others do the same. Amy and I have been so blessed in our lives, not only for the example of our, our parents, who are, who are great parents, who also love Jesus, so we've been blessed by that too. We've been so blessed by our parents, but we have been incredibly blessed by being surrounded by a lot of other spiritual mothers and, and fathers that we've been able to learn from, spend time with. We watched them raise their kids and it helped us raise our kids. Like all, all those ways that we learn from and rub off on one another, like we're meant to participate in that process. So if, if we realize as saints, I'm a part of this fellowship, this body, this community, this family, and, and I am supposed to be participating in the building up of the body. I contribute towards unity. I contribute towards growth and understanding of who Jesus is. I'm contributing. I'm moving towards maturity, and I'm helping others grow and mature by investing in their lives. Watch what this does for us. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That phrase there, tossed to and fro, carried about by the waves, carried about by every wind, that, that is like, it, it is a visual picture that's meant to summarize the idea of the surge of the sea being tossed by the billows. I couldn't help think about this, Alex, when you're sharing your things more about somebody treading water. I'm not supposed to be out there treading water by myself. I'm about to drown in that situation. <laughs> what Paul is saying is like, there are inevitable storms of life. They're coming. And so I saw like a real picture of this. Okay, so we were just at the beach with our kids a couple of weeks ago. And the first two or three days, there were these storms that were coming in and out. And then we'd get these little pockets of like a few hours to get down to the beach. And it's like, okay, the... The clouds are still out, but it stopped raining. Like, let's go. We're getting some beach time. And we would go down there. And one of the things that's fun about that is we love to ride like boogie boards. And so the waves were really big. And so we'd get out there and try to catch a wave and ride it in. But what was really apparent quickly on that trip is that one or two of those days, our kids could not even get out there. They like couldn't get past a certain point because the waves were knocking them back. And then I don't know if you've ever been at the beach whenever like the water is kind of going like down the shoreline. So like you're set up here with your chair and you're thinking, oh, I'll just watch my kids right there. And then you blink and like two minutes later, they're half a mile down that way because the water's been taking them that way. Like we were literally seeing this physical picture of being like a child getting tossed about by the wind and the waves. And like there were a couple moments where like I'm not showing my kids that it's scary, but like 
it got a little scary. It was like, all right, it's, it's time to head in. <laughs> this is beating y'all up a little too much. Like, that's the picture. And, and what, what Paul's saying, he's not just saying storms in life come. He says, we're going to be tossed about by these waves and every wind of doctrine. Now, I could get more in depth with this, but he mentions things like human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. This encapsulates everything from like accidental error to like out and out deception. It also even captures like gambling. Like, "Ah, I think this will work, let's give it a shot. So it's like, it's risky choices. It's just unwise choices. And in some instances, like flat out deceitful things. Here's the picture, guys. In the sea and the storms of life, the very things that come at us as offering hope, offering solutions, offering help, they're emerging from the very same sea that is in turmoil. Like the scripture even, there's this visual picture of of people being like the sea of humanity. And so all of these these ideas that the culture will give, that the world gives, or even that folks masquerading as the church will offer. All of these unsound teachings, doctrines, directions, they're offering solutions coming right out of the very turmoil that they say they can help us with. Like one of the things that's so wrong about some of like the political solutions that are offered or whatever It's not even necessarily that they're inherently evil, although there are plenty of those. Often it's just simply that they're they're wrong, imperfect answers. Like a broken world is hurting and struggling and looking for direction and tries to offer itself answers. And it's like, well, here's the best we got. And what's crazy, guys, is how many believers fall in line with that stuff. Like maybe we got bored with sound doctrine. Maybe church life just got difficult. And so we assumed since it's difficult, it doesn't work. So I'll just go looking for it over here. And then we get a mass of people deconstructing their faith. Probably because it was placed somewhere it never should have been in the first place. Guys, my faith is not in the church. My faith is in Jesus. I don't know about you, but like when I read through the Old Testament, I see God's people struggling, failing over and over and over again. Good seasons, well, that didn't last very long. Like that's the story. You know what happens when I get to the New Testament? There's like a couple of neat passages in Acts that sound really wonderful. And then life starts to happen. And suddenly we've got letters written all over the place going like, well, there's problems over here in Corinth. Oh, well, man, that's nothing compared to what's going on over here in Galatia. And man, those are, and it's just like, it's, people are involved. It's a mess. Listen, guys, church is gonna hurt you. People are gonna hurt you. They're gonna let you down. But yet God calls us to each other. And we're meant to be anchored in sound doctrine. We're meant to be anchored in Jesus, not in one another. And so one of the reasons we continue to gather to practice sound doctrine together, to learn it from one another, to grow in maturity is so we can get rescued from the tendency when the storms of life come to be like kids just drowning, overwhelmed by the waves and grabbing any life raft that comes by, even if it's on its way down too. Is this making sense?
And so this, this, is, this is why this is emphasized, like church, we need each other to grow and also to withstand in difficulty. And so we are anchored in Christ and we do it through our intentional fellowship with one another. We help anchor each other. We help hold on. Finally, verses 15 and 16, I'll close with this. So we want to attain to unity. We recognize that we can be like children tossed to and fro. And so instead of that, here's what we do. Rather than being tossed around in the swirl, rather we speak the truth in love. We are to grow in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. See, we're, we're anchored in him. Through loving and truthful speech, we keep each other anchored in Christ. And when we do that, when we are committed to loving and truthful speech with one another, then we are anchored into the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Did you see that? Like Jesus holds us together, yes, but we are joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Who gets equipped? The saints. To do what? The work of the body. What's the work of the body? Being connected to one another. And we help, we help hold it all together. I will readily admit that I cry in movies sometimes. That might seem like a weird pivot. I cry in movies. You know the ones that make me cry the most? Kids' movies. When I watched Toy Story 3 and Woody and Buzz and all of those characters that are heading to, was it like a trash compactor or a furnace? And they're holding hands while they're going. I'm like bawling my eyes out. Like, yeah, we could do, I'm like looking for somebody's handle. Where's Alex? I need to get over here. Like, like there was something so powerful and moving about that. It was like, is everything gonna be okay? I don't think so. <laughs> it's not looking good. This ship is going down. The furnace is raging, but I'm holding on. And they made it. And we'll make it. Church, we'll make it. We'll make it. Let's stop trying to make it alone. We were never meant to do that. We need one another. Let's live connected. What, is, what does this create? I love the way this finishes. Every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Church isn't built up in success, influence impact, the miraculous, in love. People who love one another, walking with Jesus, that's the mark of a successful church. How will the world know? By our love for each other. How can we make an impact in the world around us? Friends, the church gathering, the fellowship of believers, it's essential for our personal growth and well-being. 
It's essential for our health corporately as a church body, and it is the path to impacting the world around us. Don't just take that as my opinion. Go back and read through Acts 2, 42 through 47. After the whole passage gets described of how these people are devoted and committed to the words and life of Jesus and to doing life together and to taking care of one another and providing for each other's needs and walking in love, the entire thing gets summarized. And in verse 47, it says, and the church was added to daily. The world needs the church to be healthy. The world needs a true expression of hope and love and it's found in Jesus and it's found in how we walk in love with one another. So I wanna leave you with this. I'm gonna put them up on the screen. They're in my notes. This will probably get talked about in life group this week. I wanna leave you with this. Some things to consider for reflection. I'm gonna just read this and then I'm gonna pray, all right? For reflection. If you wanna jot these down in your phone or something or on paper, you can. Questions to consider, am I in fellowship? Like as defined here, like am I in fellowship? If not, why? Why am I not devoted to the gathering, the assembling of the body? If I'm not in fellowship, why? What are the obstacles? Saying yes to something or someone will mean saying no to other things as a fact of life. In Matthew 22, Jesus told the story of this awesome feast that this king was throwing and he was inviting people from everywhere and everybody just kept having excuse after excuse of why they couldn't come to the party. And he's like, invite anyone who will come. There's still room. And the, the sad statement of Jesus' parable was how many people were just like, oh, I'm busy doing this, I'm busy doing that, I'm busy doing that. Listen, I, I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm saying, before the Lord, you answer the question with him, God, am I in fellowship? Am I connected in with your body? Where, where do you have me that I'm supposed to be? And if I'm not, what are the obstacles? What things do I need to say no to? What things have I been saying no to? I need to start saying yes to. What are the obstacles? Number two, how am I contributing to the building up of Jesus' body? I mentioned that earlier. Tangible, specific, how am I doing that? What does that look like for me in my life right now? Am I living in unity with the body? Okay, so now we're moving into what does it produce if we're doing our part? One of them was unity, it produces unity. Am I living in unity with the body? To take that a layer further, are there relationships I need to build, re-engage, or repair? Are there relationships? Am I just so disconnected? Like, I need to start building some relationships. Everybody just, if we just wait on relationships to happen at us, not gonna work. Now, it's reciprocal, right? I can try to make somebody be my friend, and they may not. But we gotta lean in, build relationships, re-engage. I am just convinced that there's a lot of disconnection, uh, hurt, but also maybe even some shame where we just know over the last year, year and a half, we've kind of disconnected from each other. And so it's almost like this wall keeping us from re-engaging because either we feel guilty or we feel hurt. Just, man, let's give grace to each other. Re-engage where you need to re-engage. Repair relationship, at least as much as depends on you. All right, a couple more. 
Am I growing in knowledge? All right, this is really like last Sunday's sermon, but am I growing in knowledge of Jesus? Do I need to acquire more info? Like, am I just pretty ignorant of like what the scripture says about who Jesus is and who I'm called to be? Do I need to gain better understanding by wrestling it through with people who've walked with the Lord? So I've gained some knowledge, but like, I'm not sure how to apply it. And then last one, am I becoming a mature spiritual father or mother? If so, who am I parenting spiritually? Can I identify people that I'm pouring into their lives? If I'm not a spiritual parent, well, then your next question should be, well, then who are my spiritual parents? Who's pouring into my life and what can I learn and apply from them? All right, so there's some stuff to sit with and to consider. Lord Jesus, would you help us see what we are already a part of? Help us discern the body. Recognize, see that we are a part of a fellowship. We're a part of a family. We're a part of a body. And we're called to assemble and connect with one another. God, help us to see that. Lord, help us to recognize that the work of the ministry is for us all. We all have an important part to play in building each other up, learning to be united, Jesus learning and growing in our knowledge, our intimacy, our connection with you, and God growing in maturity so that not only do we grow and progress in our walk with you, but we learn how to parent others who are in need. Help us not to settle for being tossed to and fro by everything swirling around us, caught up in distractions, caught up in in broken ways of thinking and living. But God, may we be anchored in you as our head and may we, we be united with one another, learning to live and be built up in love. Jesus, we need you. For us to do this, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need your presence to make this body come alive. And so we're inviting you to come and move in our lives, move in our midst as a group. And God, help us each to see what part we have to play in building one another up in love. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.